Blog Talk Radio. This is Port of Harlem Talk Radio, and I'm your host for this show and also publisher of Port of Harlem Magazine at portofharlem.net. If you're listening via the Internet, you can type your questions in the comment box. You can also call and listen by dialing on your phone, 516-531-9540. And if you want to ask a question after you are connected, press 1, and please be in a quiet place. You can also visit portofharlem.net and click POH Talk Radio from the menu to hear this and past episodes. We are also available on about seven podcast platforms. And lastly, we talk production sponsors, Port of Harlem Talk Radio. Our guest today is Rufus S. Berry II. He is a Liberian activist and former president of the Liberian Association of Northern California. He's now living in Liberia and is the managing partner and CEO of Berry and Gay Financial Consulting. We will talk to um, Rufus about the country's bicentennial, his return to Liberia, immigration issues, and corruption. Welcome, Rufus. Thank you so kindly. Well, how is it in uh, Liberia? Specifically, we know that you all are five hours uh, ahead of us, and it's probably uh, about 8 some at night, I guess 8.45 now? Yeah, 8.45 at night. Uh, well, all is well. I think it's about 85 degrees outside, so it's kind of warm <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> 85 at night. I wish I was in California right now, but oh, but it is what it is. Uh, all is well. All is well. So that's one of the good things about being home. It's warmer. Nonetheless, this year is Liberian's bicentennial. How do you rate the country's mood for this bicentennial celebration? Well, the thing is two phase. The government is pretty excited. And the fact is that the masses, uh, you know, were, are we in, were informed. They are not well informed of what's happening because this is so important to the country. And, uh, and, and the government doing everything humanly possible to make sure this, is, this whole celebration is a success. And Monday is the official opening of the celebration. And I think the United States is sending an official delegation headed by Linda Figueiredo, who is the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., so on Monday is the official kickoff of the Boston, you know, uh, you know, the Boston team there. Yeah, gotcha. So we haven't heard, well, I can say we, but I can say at least Port of Magazine haven't heard much about the Bicentennial. But uh, hopefully many of our readers know about the relationship between uh, the United States and Liberia. And I think we probably should know more, but we don't. So, um, Part of the issue with the bicentennial uh, you mentioned earlier and some of your writings, and for our listeners, he writes a lot, um, that it seems as though unlike the United States, a lot of Liberians don't tend to put much value on um, the founding fathers or founding mothers, if, if, if you will, and that here we tend to save their shoes, save their false teeth, they talk about the menus that they uh, use to eat their food, to cook their the menus that they use, to serve the, uh, the menus they use, et cetera. But you were mentioning that uh, for some of the founding people of Liberia, that their graves are not well kept, and et cetera. Can you speak about that a little bit? Well, the thing is, Liberia's story is an American story. 
Liberia's story is Black America's story. And I think what we have done, what we failed to do was that we failed to inform our cousins in America, you know, failed to inform Black America of our story. And one did not understand our story. Take, you know, take for example, the second African-American man to earn a medical degree in the United States was James S. Smith. He was born in 1856 in Charleston, South Carolina. He's the second black man to earn a medical degree. And guess what? He was the sixth president of Liberia. The second black American man to earn a medical degree became the sixth president of Liberia. So Liberia's story is American story. And furthermore, the first black man to be president for any university in America is Martin Herman Freeman, a Liberian who is buried in Liberia at Palm Grove Cemetery. Palm Grove Cemetery is the official cemetery in Liberia. But here was a man who was the first black man in America to be president for any university in America. So Liberia's story is American story. But I think what we failed to do was that we failed to inform Black America of our of of our story because it is you know the thing is it's both America and Liberia it's Black America and yeah, Liberia and unlike our you know, folks in Ghana you know see that I have no connection to Black America they sold their story well and and one they made billions they made hundreds of millions this should have been our story to Black America. What the government should have done was to go to the black churches and tell them about their cousins, their friends, their family in Liberia. Yeah, because Liberia's story is the American story. Liberia's story is black American story. And I think that's yeah, what that's, we feel I, I to have done. I can see where that's a missed opportunity there. Um, I don't, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of some other black person who left. Uh, who, was, who was a very important African-American history who left and went to Liberia. I think it was one of the guys who um, started the AME Church. I may be wrong. And, uh, and one of the black person, or the black person, that story usually isn't told. But then again, it goes along with black Americans often have to tell his own story in the first place. So, Yeah, because what happened is that I, I lived in California for 30 years. And in, and in America, I did not hear the African-American story. I did not hear that Solomon Carter Fallon was the first, was the first African-American psychiatrist. He was also born in Liberia. We didn't hear about that. One we were deprived of the black story, the amazing black story, the great black inventors, the, you know, the great black scientists, the folks that have transformed the world in terms of the street light, you know, the red light. I mean, those stories have been told by us. And I think in Liberia, our government don't think that they are doing their best. You know, I can go ahead and buy a them or say whatever. But they should have brought folks in to go to America and tell our story and how Liberia and America are connected. We are connected to the core. We are family, black America. The fact is that I'm from this place called Samuel County. Samuel County was founded by free slaves from Mississippi. So it's called Mississippi in Africa. 
So my great great folks came from there, you know. Yeah, my dad is a Barry, I don't know, whatever, but, you know, his folks came from Mississippi. So that is why we're supposed to connect the, you know, go ahead and connect the Liberian story to the American story. And, and, and I think the goal was to bring in thousands of African Americans to say, this is where your forefather came for freedom. After they went through, held them back, after they went through trial and tribulation, this is where they decided to come for freedom. This is Africa's first independent country, a country founded as a home for free American slaves. This should be an American story. This should be a celebration, not only in, you know, she was in Liberia, but celebration in Baltimore, in Atlanta, in all the great black cities. But do you know that the only person from Baltimore that ever became president for any country is Donna B. Warner? He was a president in, in Liberia. Not only that, he wrote our national anthem. It's called All Hail Liberia Hill. So our story is a story from Baltimore. He's from Baltimore. Yes, from Baltimore. So the thing is, there's no reason why thousands of folks from Baltimore, from Atlanta, from Memphis, from South Carolina, are in this my country today. But it says, if you have a Rolex watch and you keep it at home and, and you don't wear it, folks wouldn't know. We should have effectively sold our story. We should have sold our story to America, but our audience should have been black America. That after 200 years, after your forefathers decided to to risk the life on, yeah, on the Great Atlantic Ocean to come back to Africa, come back and see where they went. Okay, well, you convinced Well, I tell you, Rufus, you've convinced me that we've missed an opportunity. <laughs> Not only did African Americans, yes. but also Liberians yes. missed an opportunity. And it helps, and I can't say it helps explain, but it gives me a new discussion when people talk about going back to Ghana so much. It's like, well, really, your, your relationship with uh, Liberia is much, much stronger. Well, the fact is, in this thing, Liberia is your cousin, it's your blood. Liberia has a direct link to America. We have a direct right. link to slavery. We have a direct link to the suffering of the black race in America. So this is where you're supposed to come to say this is our brothers and sisters. They came from here and went as slaves to America, to the West Indies, to the Bahamas, to, to you know, to what Jamaica, to Haiti. And the, and the thing was that after in 1822, when they said, we're going to establish this nation, great men like Joseph Jenkins Roberts, born in Virginia, Stephen Ali Benson, all black Americans, were all president of this great nation. So there's no reason why black Americans shouldn't take Liberia as the Mecca. This, this stuff is the Mecca of freedom for, black, for the black race, for, for black America. Liberia should be the Mecca of freedom, the mecca of liberty, the mecca of free choice, the mecca of freedom of speech, the mecca to stand as a man saying that this is my country, and the mecca to stand as a woman to say, yes, I'm home, I'm in Africa, I'm free, I'm proud to be black and proud, as Jim Brown said, and I'm in the black <laughs> okay. This should well, be the mecca about, of the black well, race well, in thinking America. About, thinking about Liberia's founding, um, Part of the 
image of Liberia as the 14 year civil war. Would would I be correct to say the 14 year civil war marked a transition from America Liberian and America Liberian are those Liberians that uh, are descendants of enslaved Americans? Um, no, being no, no. Being, being, being in political no, control. Let me correct you. Go ahead. No. The 14-year civil war was a direct result of what happened in 1980. Okay, in 1980, Samuel Kanye was an enlisted man in the armed forces of Liberia. He overthrew the last American Liberian government headed by William Howard Tolbert, Jr. Right. So it was the end of the American Liberian rule in 1980. And Samuel K. Doe was president. He was, he was indigenous Liberian, and he was president from 1980 to, I think, 1989. And during that time, he received more aid in terms of economic aid and military aid than all the black Africa combined. The United States gave Liberia more aid then all the black Africa combined to Samuel K. Doe. But Samuel K. Doe used his money to go and oppress his people. So then came the Civil War, came Charles Taylor, who was also an American Liberian, came Ellen Johnson Sharif, who became the first female president in Liberia, the first female elected president in Liberia, came other people that, that went and, and supported this war. And Samuel K. Doe was killed, and they had a free and fair election, and Charles Taylor became president. So the end of the American Liberian rule was in 1980 and not in 1989. So the so the before the Civil War, after the Civil War. The Civil War that lasted for 14 years. No, no, no. My point was now. My question was. Well, yes. Did the did the did the did the 14-year Civil War political control to wider participation of all Liberians? No, uh, no, no transition occurred in 1980 when Tarbert was overthrown and came in Samuel K. Doe, who was the first indigenous, you know, you know a leader in Liberia. So that was before, that was so before the Civil War. Yes. Doe ran, and then came the Civil War, and because because folks felt like, you know, you know, he stole the election in 2005, uh, and this and that. But that the fact was, 1980 was the end of that rule. Okay, so the I mean, Civil War itself. To say he stole the so, election. so you're saying, so you're saying the Civil War itself wasn't wasn't the mark of a transition from. American Liberian from American Liberian rule to uh, a wider rule was the Doe no coup. The actually it was in 1980 when Doe overthrew William Arotopo Jr. Okay, so that was, was the so that end was the, of the American yes. So that was the end of the American Liberian rule. Yes, in 1980. And that was and then at that time and that was before the Civil War. Yeah, before the Civil War. Okay. And when Tolbert was overthrown, he was the president of the world. He was president of the World Baptist Convention, and he was the chairman of the Organization of African Unity. So he held two prestigious positions, and Tolbert was not aligned. So, and then he gave a speech at one time and said that the people of Palestine had the right to have a state of their own, 
and, and and perhaps that was the you know perhaps that was the beginning of the downfall of his government. I don't know, but he gave that powerful speech, and and you know and thing was that I remember that Jimmy Carter came to Liberia in 1978. The president of the United States came to Liberia and visited October. He was here for about three hours because that that you know you know that simplified the strong bond between you know. In, in the United States of America and Liberia. So we consider the U.S. as our mother country because it was a country that founded us. And thing was, it was founded for one purpose, to go and take back free black slaves. So after Doe, after Doe, Taylor came in, and Taylor was also, you're saying Doe was indigenous. Taylor was a miracle Liberian. Yes. And who Certainly. came after Taylor again? Who came after Taylor? After Taylor, we had interim government. I get Emma right. Sawyer and I think, uh, okay, you know, like Perry. But then afterwards, we had a free and fair election and came Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. And is she a miracle librarian? No, she actually, no, she's not. No. No. So she's an miracle, she's an miracle librarian herself. No. The thing is, is, the fact is, her story is a unique story. Okay. Her grandmother was from, you know, Sando, where my father is from. Sando, and then her grandmother had, you know, had a child by this German man. So she is more like an indigenous and German descent, because her mother was half German and half Liberian. Okay, so she 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 her 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 identity isn't as clear. Yes, but as whether as whether being I mean, indigenous or being a miracle Liberian, it's more it's it's more mixed. Well, as far as most Liberians are concerned, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf is indeed. Trust me, she is the miracle Liberian because one is a lifestyle, how she lived, how she. <laughs> to carry herself. So, but deep down inside, when she spoke to the Joint Session of Congress, she, she made it pretty clear, said that I have no roots from America. She made it crystal clear when she gave a joint speech to the Joint Session of Congress. So she was clear on that. But Ellen Johnson Sirleaf's story is a different story in Liberia. You know, because Liberia could have been a much better country. We had everything going for us, and things went downhill. I can tell you why things went downhill. I can tell you from my perspective why things went downhill. That. Well, Ellen came in as president, and thing was that the whole country, the world was excited. That year was a strong woman who fought some kind of dog who fought this military regime for freedom, for everything. She became president. And the thing is that no leader in modern civilization, with the exception of Nelson Mandela of South Africa, had this much goodwill from the world. Perhaps all the world leaders, except the head of you know, you know, Russia, came out here. Yeah, I remember that. Bush came out here. I mean, all the world leaders came to Liberia. The President of the United States, the Prime Minister of the UK, the President of France, 
president of Ireland. They came to give her support because Yeah was a strong woman who was in prison and, and spoke out. She stood up to the guns of Sam Kedo, and she was called the Iron Lady. But she became president. And guess what she did? Squandered the vast majority of the goodwill. She did some good because, because the country was destroyed after the war. One of be fair to her. She gave Liberia that respect that, that she had earned over the years. Folks knew Liberia now, not because of the war, but because of Edmund Johnson's relief, that we made a conscious decision to leave away our turbulent past and pursue a freedom to go you know, through you know, this thing of hope and freedom and go to the new direction by electing the first female president in Africa. She could have done much, much better. But from my perspective, she failed the Liberian people because she didn't change our mindset. Change our oh, mindset yeah. about hard work, about honesty. And, and, and yeah, but she brought in the folks around her who go was to enrich themselves at the people's expense. What her government was corrupt, extremely corrupt. There's a new story to that. It's a whole new thing. Okay, so with all, the all the turmoil, with all the turmoil of, 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 of deciding, of, of looking at the history of the country with the uh, American Library being a rule for so long, and then with the country now trying to have multiple people, some are American Liberian, some are indigenous, some are Sir Leaf, who some may consider indigenous, who, but who says she isn't. Who may consider her a miracle Liberian, but she says she isn't. Um, is that part of the reason why Bicentennial may not be as vibrant as it could be? No, no, not, not that. It had nothing to do with that. Well, after Ellen Johnson's relief, Liberia elected uh, George Weah. George Weah was, was perhaps the best person that ever played soccer in Africa. You know, I think he was the world best, he was Africa's best. And he was my hero because he played for my team called Invincible 11. I mean, George Weah was my hero. George Weah became president, and I think, you know, he made some mistakes, but he has a good heart. I think well, he's the current president now, right? Is he the current president? Yes, he's the current president. I think okay. what they failed to do, the fact is what the government has failed, because this should have been the biggest celebration in Africa. Africa's first independent country is celebrating 200 years of its existence. This should be, I mean, this should have been the biggest, the biggest celebration where tens of thousands of African Americans would descend upon Liberia and say, this is where my grandfather, my great-grandfather came to, and, you know, came to gain freedom, to gain the respect as a human being, to gain the respect as 100% human being. But what we failed to, have to, to do was to sell our story. You see, the thing is marketing. You know, I worked, you know, for many years with Hiller Parker, you know, seriously, you know, as a financial analyst. I worked in, you know, worked in the Valley, and I was part of the team that spawned off Agilent from HP. In, in, in life, you have to sell yourself. It's marketing. You have to sell your story. You have to tell your story to the world that, yeah, it's a country in West Africa that fought with the United States during World War II, that declared war on Germany. Even though we had no army, we had nothing. But yet still, we declared war because our mother country declared war on Germany. 
So we say we support our mother country. Yes, the country where U.S. forces were based, based here. Yes, it was a country that was a beacon of hope of Africa. Yes, it was a country that hosted Omega Station, the spy on all the forces in West Africa and Seriously, and not yeah, and not Africa. You know, in 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 in, in the country where Frank Roosevelt visited during World War Two. If I was okay, so 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 Rufus, let me move on because you convinced me already, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you convinced many of the other <laughs> listeners. But many people, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more Liberia than which we give credit for. But many people speak of yeah. returning to Africa. What made you decide to return to Liberia? You know, I love history. And when I went to the States, I said, one day I will go back home. Because we well, have to. And that did it. You see, I came to America. I, you know, look, America is the world's greatest country. There's nowhere in this world like the, like the United States of America. There's no country in this world that can touch the great USA. Look, I love that country. <laughs> okay, so but what made you decide to return? Who I am today. Yes, I came out there, and I was married to this amazing woman. My wife went to UPenn. She was amazing. But I said, sweetheart, I got to go back home. You know, this is where my heart is. We have to transform Africa because once Africa is transformed, we'll be less dependent on the West. We have to educate our people. We got to tell them that you are powerful. You own all your natural resources. You got to go and produce them there. You got to create wealth for your wealth for your continent. So I came here to help, to give back. I said because in fact, it's Africa is where we came from. It's the motherland. We have to make sure that we don't beg small country like uh, uh, you know. Uh, like Ireland, like Holland. You just, no, thing is that we are too dependent on the West for everything. We have our power within our hands. We have our resources. We have natural resources. We have gold. We have diamond. We have timber. We have everything we need. We can be self-sufficient. We can go and feed ourselves through our culture. But yet and still, we order, you know, our rights from the United States. We get, you know, new clothing from everywhere. We, you know, going big in IMF for aid. But when we trust ourselves, when we are honest, we have integrity, we can be the greatest continent that the world has ever oh. seen. But all we need okay, is so, this word called integrity. Okay, so for many years you fought for the United States to grant temporary protective status to Liberians who escaped the 14-year civil war. Are Liberians still in need of a status or have the great issues played out? Oh, God, God has played out. Look, as a matter of fact, I no, I'm asking you, do, do, do Liberians still need temporary protective status in the United States? No, they don't. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Liberia is not a violent country. We need all the help we can get. Those who have gone to the United States and, and learned, come home, help. But at the same token, we have to make this place a better place. Liberia right now is lawless, really. I'm thinking driving the street where you have folks driving bikes and keke, you know. A keke is the stuff that's made in India. It has about two or three passengers, you know, small. It's about one-fourth of a car. It's all over the town. They are completely lawless and reckless. 
but you have to create a society where folks will come and feel welcome and feel safe and say, yes, I want to live here. I came here, I built my house. But at times, when I'm driving the street, I feel threatened. I mean, everywhere this market, folks sell everywhere. The government has to ensure that we have a clean, safe, affordable, and a decent society. We have to do it for ourselves. We can't depend on aid from the West to come and clean our trash. We can clean ourselves. We can clean our own backyard, our own street. But this whole, this whole symptom of depending on the West for money to do things that you can do, you should be doing. It makes me sick. I came out here to help my country to fight. So now where I live, I eat my own food. I grow my own food. I grow my own grains. I eat every, you know, look, I, I eat what I grow. Okay, and I know that you're also a big advocate uh, at speaking out against corruption. And I must admit that we had a former writer, and her name is, it takes my head. She wrote a book about corruption in Liberia. And uh, there's a group called Africa Access that she wanted her book to be reviewed by. And they didn't because they thought it was too, according to her, she said it was too stereotypical in that, uh, I forgot what portions of it, she thought it was too stereotypical. But to you, I guess you may, not saying you will, that you may agree with her that corruption is a major issue in Liberia. In your opinion, is corruption a major issue in Liberia? 100%. Oh, my 100%. God. 100%. You know what? <laughs> like I said, you wrote a whole book on it for children, but go ahead. <laughs> Actually, before you go too far, I will tell you one story. I did get a, a ba- my baptism in supposedly African corruption when I was there some back in, I guess, 1980, and I was walking across the street with an American mm-hmm. official, and he took some coin and put it in the policeman's hand. And he looked at me and told me, Wayne, you have to do that when you're working here because you never know when you might need the policeman. And that was his way of training me <laughs> what to do. Seriously, <laughs> that was him. That was him taking his little brother. I was, I was a younger guy. He was an older guy. That was him taking his little brother uh, under his wings and say, "Dude, this is what you have to do." But go ahead. Guess what? When That's I that. moved back home, I wrote, you know, in, you know, I wrote the president, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. I said, "But I'm president. I am a strong advocate to ensure we have." A transparent, a free, a, a, a society where folks have integrity. C.S. Lewis said, he said, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. You have, you have to do the right thing regardless of the circumstances. You have to do it. And, you know, the whole world glorified Ellen Johnson. Look, I'm telling you, this current government is not clean. We have done some terrible things. I look, but you know, I even more disappointed in Erlen Johnson Sirleaf because she was the leader, she was the hope for Africa. And her sister was like the prime minister. Her son was the head of NSA, which is like the FBI. Her son. And then her other son, Robert Salih, was the, was the head of the oil company. And, and they enriched themselves. 
And after her term end as president, guess what happened? What happened? They packed their bags. They packed their bags, left Liberia, and went to the United States. So our problem in Africa, in Liberia, it's not Liberia. It's, the United, it's USA. Because when we come here and do terribly bad, we run back to our daddy. Daddy come back home. If, if Ellen's sister didn't have to go to America, if her son was the head of national security, she didn't have to go to America, he would have worked better here for different mindsets to transform the country because he would have known that his children would go to school out here. He would have known that this is where he would live after he leave government. He would have known that his wife would have to be here. But guess what? After the term was over, he goes to the United States. Came by the United States. So that means that while they were here, they were not working for the Liberian people. They were working to enrich themselves because they know that they would go back to live in America. And they needed well, let me get that clear money again. Let me get that clear again about her identity. In your opinion, again, how does she identify herself? Does she identify herself as indigenous or as an American Liberian? Or you said her story is something else. And what is that something else? Can you get that clear for me? You know, I don't know. All I know, growing up, Ellen Johnson certainly was my hero. I didn't care where she was, from Mars or Jupiter or from Mississippi or, or you know, or from uh, you know, Charleston or how Indiana. Did the people, how did or the from, people, but how, and generally speaking, how the, did the people the, view her? The, the people view her as the Iron Lady because she fought no, I meant her, the I'm military talking about government. Her affiliation. No, I'm asking you about her affiliation to Liberia. They didn't identify her. No, but the thing was that, you know, Ellen was smart. She was, you know, brilliant. She was educated. So folks assumed she was African, assumed she was African-American. To many, she was African-American. They assumed she was. Oh, okay. You know, one thing that we have to learn, I just go through my old things. I have an article she had written probably like in 1980 when I was there. I don't know what year I was there. Probably like 19-something, 1980-something. And I just happened to have it. Didn't, didn't know anything about her, but she was writing about uh, the need for people to work together, about the two groups, American Liberians and the indigenous people working together. It was in a Liberian paper. Yes. And I just happened to go through yes. it and happened to, happened to see, oh, wow, I had to keep this because she had written it. And in the in the article, she didn't she didn't claim to be of any group. No, I think no, I think it was pretty fair. Growing up, she was about growing up, she was about the unification of of all Liberians, whether you are, you know, you are indigenous, you know, from here, or you are you are African American. But this is what bothered me the most. You know, I don't like to label people as as indigenous or African-American, because, you see, I tend to look at the souls. You know, I was an analyst for Hitler Parker, and, and, and you have now trained to look at the bigger picture, you know. And the bigger picture is that black folks came from Africa. And we're taking our free slaves, to, you know, we're, 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 we're taking our slaves to America. And we were treated terribly bad. And we gained freedom and came back here. And we call ourselves African-American, how about where you came from, your roots? Your roots is that you're African, but you're taken by force. So you came back to your motherland as African. But guess what? When our forefather came back to Africa 
to Liberia, they treated the indigenous just how they were treated as slaves. So that is Liberia's problem. Well, Liberia that's what I'm saying. That's what becomes important because that history is there. Yeah, for those who are indigenous, history. and for those who are indigenous, that is a very happy thought. <laughs> no, and they have every right to be mad. They have every freaking right to be mad because how how could you have experienced oppression, experienced hatred, where your you know your wife was ripped in front of you, where you were treated less than a man, you know your children were ripped, and you yeah when you gained your freedom, you came back and you saw your own black people, oh whoa, and you treat them worse than how you were treated. That makes no sense at all. That is Liberia's sad history. And I think that, and I think that's why Ellen Johnson Sally were fighting to resolve to make sure that we all became one. Became one regardless of our you know, ethnic background, where you came from, wherever. But that is our history. And I'm telling you we're gonna end this conversation. So I'm gonna let you have the last <laughs> word. What, what, what's the last thing you want to get across to our listeners? But I appreciate your time. Not just one black America seems to know that Liberia's story is a black American story. And you all have to connect with the motherland and, yeah, and connect with Liberia. And I will do everything humanly possible in Liberia to ensure that we come to the United States to tell black America our story. Okay, well, you know, today, if that was your objective, you have, you have met it. But even though uh, our work is much in the Gambia, you know, we need to pay, I know we as a publication will spend more time with uh, Liberia, and uh, it's partially because of what you said, is that our story is Liberia's story and vice versa. It's a story that we don't know much about. Yeah. So I hope to talk to you again. Yeah. All right, thanks for your time. <laughs>